Welcome to On The Couch with James Field and Ian Harris. It's episode 101 for the 9th of February 2009. How are you doing, James? I'm most excellent. Thank you, Ian, in this uh, On The Couch podcast number 101. 101. It's not a bad if it is it. Is it room 101 a la kind of 1984, the one where all the nasty things lurk? <laughs> but uh, not in this podcast. No, what no. What will we be talking about? No particular nasty things. We're going to talk about what's happening in the world of broadcast and entertainment technology. And we're going to cover things like stuff. Uh, what's going on in the world of business technology. Mm-hmm. Content delivery, uh, mobile as well. We've got some mobile stuff, some gaming, and some other stuff. Indeed. Which is, uh, trying to think, I'm sure, something as I've just come back from uh, Japan, I'm sure I'll think of some other stuff. <laughs> but we will, we will see. Um, right, so never quiet in the world of business, is it? We've, uh, one, one of the things which I find a bit bizarre is this um, in the mm-hmm. UK, Kangaroo, uh, which was the, I guess, the project name given to... Well, uh, for a, a, a collaboration of online, well, video on demand, I suppose, isn't it? It's like video yep. on demand from the leading um, independent commercial operators, mm-hmm. as well as, is it BBC was in there as well? I can't yeah, remember. we had BBC, BBC ITV worldwide. and yeah. yeah, or BBC Worldwide, which is mm. the commercial arm of BBC, mm-hmm. as distinct from the BBC sort of funded by the license payer. So... Um, but the competition commissioners rejected it, which I find a bit weird, given that there are other projects going ahead which are fine. So, um, and I think all of these guys are selling their programming to iTunes. So maybe. Um, yeah, and no, I'm 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 astonished at this decision, to be quite honest, because um, uh, I mean, essentially, what we're looking at is is really a competitor to iTunes. Fundamentally, is is getting all the content together, yes. making it available in one place as a competitor mm-hmm. to iTunes and they said no no this is uh, this is not good for for customers the best thing is for everyone to compete with each other now exactly. we know that in the case of uh, content it has to be easy for people to get it has to be something that's straightforward and yeah, an aggregation is a yeah. good thing as well because you yeah. don't have to care whether you know your favourite Grey's Anatomy comes from ITV is it ITV or is it Channel 4 or I don't know who you know, who makes it the independent studio perhaps do I go there I mean you just can't do that you need an yeah. aggregation site so it, it does seem a bit odd um, I suspect it's due to some of the management's been hopping around as well um, to various parties and maybe it, it's a bit weird uh, I must say um <laughs> And there's this other project coming out of the wings, this Canvas project, which the BBC is talking about, which sounds principally to be almost exactly the same. Right. Um, so why that would get through and this one wouldn't, who knows? Mm. Unless one's a technology and one's a platform, but we'll, maybe we'll learn more about that. So, no, 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 it's a big shame. So uh, that's Kangaroo yeah. shut down, which is, uh, I mean, there's been a lot of people working on this from a technology perspective, getting all the, mm. the stuff going for Kangaroo, so I presume... I presume we're going to wind it up. That's that's uh, very sad for a service that yeah. never got the chance to even have a crack at seeing if we can if if you can make the technology actually work. Yeah, so a bit weird, but equally all is not well on on the side of the pond that you're on as well. With the US digital switch off being delayed but going ahead because there were some thoughts about whether it wouldn't go ahead. There? So yeah, now it's um. I mean, this is this is a very difficult situation for everybody now. That I mean, the problem with the, with the switchover was not the the uh, the stations actually doing the switchover itself. Mm-hmm. Uh, they were certainly ready for it. 
Uh, the problem was that there wasn't enough money for all the digital converter boxes that everyone wanted. Yeah, uh, the coupons and stuff. Yeah. 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 Which, um, yeah. I mean, it's one of those kind of chicken and egg things. It's like, well, I could go and buy a really funky, cool um, DVR um, digital TV box, or I could get the free yeah. one via the government. So everyone went, oh, no, I'll just get the free one. So it's actually yeah. increased the demand for these boxes more than anyone had ever imagined. So that's why they've, they've run out of money in the budget for yeah. boxes. So they've extended that to, to give people more of a chance to... To actually get the I also think a few upgrade. people, I, I was reading some stuff recently about how even cable operators are seeing a bit of a pinch and people downgrading from the premium packages and thinking, mm, actually, I can watch stuff on the internet for free and I can get some, some terrestrial stuff. So they're beginning to be a bit more picky about you know, where they get the content from mm. and saving a bit of money because obviously that can't help as well. But it seems, uh, and there's also lots of guidelines about when people are going to switch off when they've got to do so many ad spots and tell everyone they're going to be switching off and... They're all paranoid about, I guess, the, um, the the elderly people and people who haven't even thought about switching and don't even know. Mm. Um, I don't know if you've seen, there's a great parody video on YouTube about no. some grandma trying to get her DTV converter. <laughs> what happens? Have a look at it. Oh, I'll have to send it to you. It's, it's hilarious. It's um, this grandma trying to work out how to plug in this set-top box <laughs> and going, you know, what do I do? And listening to kind of a public service announcement. Just, I guess you search for grandma digital TV on YouTube and you'll get it. Most amusant, I would say. Um, obviously, it doesn't go down too well on a podcast, but when we go video, it'll all be there. So, there we go. <laughs> it'll be there. Yeah. So, a bit of a basket case there, but at least, you know, things are going ahead. Um, mm-hmm. And they all, all rather weird. All rather weird, I must say. Um, it's very strange. So, we've got a situation where the actual uh, operators are still going ahead with the February 17 date. I think some had already done it. Um, I mean, that's the... Uh, <laughs> some have already done it. Yeah. They've been told, if you can go ahead, please go ahead. Uh, so they've extended the, the period in which you can actually get a box. Mm-hmm. Uh, but if you haven't got a box by the time the switchover happens, which is February 17, is that right? Then uh, mm. bang, it's all over. I think they even said, and if you already are digital and want to go back to analog, <laughs> there are all sorts of bizarre things. And they're going, well, who's going to do that? <laughs> Really? Yeah. That's crazy. <laughs> they had, you know, their press release covered all the bases, let's say, just in case someone wanted to do yeah. it. Um, I mean, the, uh, some of the analysts have said that the, the actual switchover will convince about 1.7 million people to subscribe to cable as opposed to going on the digital but TV. That's not borne so. out by the anecdotal stuff. There is There has been no dividend, as far as I can see. People have just said, mm, okay. Interesting. Um, again, maybe influenced by the, the kind of climate at the moment. But uh, you, you know, mm. a better feel for that. I mean, you're seeing a lot of cable guys this week, aren't you? So you'll uh, maybe yeah, I'm hanging out in Colorado, mm-hmm. in Denver, the uh, the home of cable in the US. Which yeah, is the home of cable labs. And you've got some in the technology front. You've got some exciting news about mm. eBiff. What is eBiff? So eBiff, which is the enhanced TV binary interchange format. Why isn't it ETV Biff? I don't know. Anyway, it's not. It's eBiff, right? Well, the problem with uh, as we know, the, the the MHP specification, which is fundamentally based on on the Java language, uh, which was threatened to be the European right. standard, yeah. uh, the Americans picked it up, turned it into OCAP, then renamed it as True Two Way, uh, as a kind of uh, marketing exercise. Mm-hmm. The boxes that you need yep. to run OCAP on are quite expensive, and uh, no one is going to, no cable operator is going to run around and replace tens of millions of boxes. 
So the challenge is, what do right. we do with these legacy boxes, the boxes that have been sitting in people's homes for the last five, mm. ten years, work perfectly well as digital set-top boxes, uh, but aren't capable of running through two-way. Yeah. And the answer, it seems, at least in America, is this uh, enhanced TV binary interchange format, which is, it's a, it's a very tight... Uh, is it like MHEG? But yeah, it's a bit like MHEG. It's a very tight binary format that allows you to, to describe right. putting graphics on the screen, responding to key presses... Uh, moving graphics okay. around. It's very simple, but it gives you the capability of doing... Where did it come from? Actually, I'm not really sure. I think... Um, okay. Uh, I'll, I'll do some research to me, and find out. I'm sure someone must have just said, oh, actually, here's one we prepared earlier. <laughs> they it. probably did. Uh, and probably Cisco or, or um, you know, Sound of Atlanta, I guess, or Motorola. Uh, I think yeah, Cable yeah. Labs had a hand in it. Mm-hmm. But uh, it, gives, it gives legacy boxes, old boxes, a chance of doing interactive applications that they wouldn't have been able to do otherwise. And it seems that everyone's cottoned onto this idea and there's a lot of, you know, they're called user agents. Traditionally, we would have called right. it middleware, I guess, but uh, these days, because uh, these, these set-top boxes are so complicated, uh, the fact that you can mm-hmm. interpret this format and display stuff on the screen, they're, they're called, it's called an EBIF user agent. Okay. And, and can uh, you play games and stuff or is it yeah, more kind of simple... You can do simple games and information viewing and menus and mm-hmm. all the usual sort of stuff. Mm-hmm. I think the games are, are, would be very much on the simple side, but, you know, yeah. still certainly... So not sprites moving around the screen, but more kind of puzzles and... Yeah, puzzles and, and stuff like that, and stuff. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Okay. So that's, that's going great guns, I guess. EBIF. So, well. yeah, um, it looks like that's going to take off this year. Hmm. And is anyone actually using EBIF yet? Do you know? Uh, yeah, quite a few operators are experimenting with it. Um, there's a there's a, a team of people called, well, like they call it Project Canoe to start with, and then they formed it into a company oh, yeah. called Canoe Ventures, which is all about right. uh, matching. It's fundamentally about interactive advertising, is what we'd call it, call it in the UK. Mm-hmm. So adding right. interactive services to existing ads, being able to drive right. and more And they're focusing revenue. on eBay, are they? Yeah, so the, the idea being that the, the number of OCAP boxes out there is, you know, some millions, but not uh, hundreds of millions. And so if right. you can actually get this EBIF user agent into enough set of boxes, like tens of millions of boxes, then mm-hmm. uh, that means you can reach a lot of people with this interactive advertising and uh, hopefully rejuvenate the cable industry. So that's the, that's the big plan. All right. Well, hey, there we go. Um, well, good luck to everyone there. I mean, I guess it's just trying to get more advertising because it's not the best time for advertising anyway, is it? Exactly. So if uh, it's not, uh, if, uh, if you can squeeze a few extra cents out of every advert, then then that's a good thing. Yeah, well, we'll, <laughs> we'll see, but it's a green field out there. Okay, so I guess kind of moving on in a, I don't know why we put this in the technology section, but it's kind of technology, is more kind of location-based Wi-Fi services. Yeah, um, so this is BT. What are they doing? Well, BT have launched a new service called BT My Place, um, which allegedly, if you're using the BT Open Zone service, which is a bit like the kind of Boingo or Fon service, which is a roaming um, Wi-Fi access service in the uh-huh. UK, um, it's kind of, I guess you register some some preferences or something, and then you go on to this um, BT, I haven't used it, I must have a go, you should have a go when you're back in Londinium. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you kind of say, show me what's near me. And it's supposed to be like a, Oh, right. I don't know if it doesn't it doesn't do navigation or anything it's just um, it's a bit like that that app on the iPhone which is um, I guess shows stuff which is nearby but it doesn't sound mm-hmm. nearly as, as useful um, I'm just trying to remember what that's called Urban Spoon that's right um, you know when you shake it and it does the, mm-hmm. the quite cool uh, kind of um, slot machine thingy so that sounds quite cool um, 
quite why it can't tell you what's near you anyway by knowing where you are. I don't know. <laughs> but, uh, quite why you have to register. It seems a bit weird. Anyway, good to see BT trying to do something. Fantastic and good luck for them. <laughs> so, um, I'll just give it, give it a try next time I'm up in the big smoke. Indeed. indeed. Um, content delivery. Mm-hmm. Um, big. I don't know who made this announcement, whether it's... Um, Xbox Live, so it's probably Microsoft saying that um, a million Netflix watch instantly activations have happened. So mm. I didn't realise Netflix was quite so popular. Well, they, I mean, according to this article, Netflix has 9.4 million subscribers. Uh, now, mm. I don't know whether that's the, the Netflix, you know, you get a DVD, you send it back type subscribers. It is. It's the same, it's the same one, okay. I understand. Um, and they've watched 1.5 billion minutes of TV and movies through their consoles. That's, that's quite a lot, isn't it? It's a fair number of minutes, I would, I would like to say. Mm. Uh, so that's, that's quite a successful partnership. Now, can you get Netflix through anything else except for Xbox Live? Or is it only Yeah, you can get console? it through Boxy, PC. There's all sorts of... Basically, they seem to have an open client. And there were some announcements at CES of um, mm-hmm. some TVs were offering Netflix access. Um, Sony, I think, LG... Uh, through the Blu-ray players as well, had a Blu-ray client for Netflix. So they're pretty open. Mm. Um and I was looking at some stuff recently and suggests that maybe a lot of these people are sharing Netflix accounts because I don't know, I think you get unlimited streaming. So, oh, okay. And they don't seem to monitor multiple logins because there was some, I read somewhere about someone who said, you know, their kids were using it at college and they had an account at home. <laughs> so it's like a family account. So I'm not sure. It does sound very good. Um, mm. But I was, I was going to ask the guys from, um, you know, the TV guys, you know, what's the connection rate? Because people might log in, but are they actually going mm-hmm. to... Because uh, you have to have yeah. an account before you use the service. You can't... I don't think They might give you a trial account. You never know. Mm. Um, often a lot of these things, they let you have a, a two-week trial mm-hmm. um, and see whether you take it or not. Certainly that, that's what it's like in the UK, but I, I imagine everyone else is doing the same. So whether people just sign up for two weeks, watch a bit of... watch a few movies and mm. then go away. Mm. Um, but I mean, that, that's got to be taking some people away from cable, hasn't it? Well, you would think, think so. Uh, certainly, mm. uh, I mean, they've, they've got 12,000 movies and TV episodes available to watch instantly, mm. which is, uh, I don't know, that's that's a massive library. That's quite amazing. Uh, yeah. How would you search? Well, they've for- got 100K titles on DVD. I mean, I, I, I mean, I, do you use one of these DVD subscription services? No. I mean, I do. So. Yeah, you're um, a fan. I mean, that, that works for you. And uh, yeah. there's unlimited bandwidth in the post, as they say. Indeed, yeah, yeah. <laughs> a few gigabytes per second. Um, so that's quite kind of interesting Um, also more I guess rumours on the front of Apple um, Mm -hmm. about Apple maybe coming out with an ITV (laughs) like an actual TV well they did some partnership with LG recently Mm -hmm. you know build it as a five year 500 million dollar partnership but that doesn't LG just make displays I mean it makes you know panels so it could Mm -hmm. be just getting panels um and other stuff from them. Um, so what do they reckon this... Well, it's just it's some analysts saying, oh, maybe, you know, Apple could make a TV. Um, I think in the past, Apple have made a TV. They did. They had a TV card that could go in some of the early uh, uh-huh. Macs, but that was, you know, pretty... It doesn't, re- doesn't really work. Um, but I'm not sure TV would add a lot to their sales, would it? I mean, they're getting money through iTunes today, mm. so why would they want access to broadcast mm. stuff in there? So the, I mean, they're, they're, I mean, the analysts are looking at recent DVR-related patent filings. Yeah, 
Um, mm. I mean, it's always difficult to know what Apple's up to, and uh, certainly their Apple TV has been a been a kind of slow burner, I guess. Although they reckon sales are up three times a year over year. Yeah, but three times nothing is still nothing. So <laughs> yeah, <you know>. that's true. <laughs> um, I mean, and it's only third-party apps like Boxy, for instance, which are enabling my Apple TV to to work for me, for mm-hmm. instance. Um, although, having said that, I mean Apple TV content is less expensive than being sourced through other parties like BT Vision and not constrained by the over-the-top mm. you know, over-the-top delivery is actually better in that instance mm-hmm. than managed delivery or video-on-demand content. So mm. um, it's uh, you know something to watch, I suppose. Um, I don't know about that. Uh, did you watch any of the Super Bowl? That was last, no, last I, I missed the Super Bowl entirely, but... Uh, all yeah. <laughs> the, uh, there were some interesting discussions uh, here about... Uh, I don't know if you heard that uh, one of the operators... Oh, put some porno over the last few minutes of it, yeah. <laughs> the Super Bowl, yeah. And the general, the general feeling is that although no one's, no one's fessing up to exactly why or how it happened, the general feeling is that it, it, would, had to, it would have had to have been a disgruntled employee of some sort because uh, these things just don't go that badly wrong uh, when it's that important. It wasn't a wardrobe malfunction. It wasn't planned. <laughs> and that was the, uh, yeah, yeah. Your standard. I mean, actually, there was something that happened in the UK actually um, last week. One of the uh, Premier League uh, league football matches. Um, mm-hmm. They went into extra time, and a goal was scored. And one of the uh, regional stations went to ads. Oh no! During the during the the goal being scored, oh. which pissed a few people off. I mean, but, not much uh, happens I mean, in soccer. So if you <laughs> if you miss the actual goal, then that's you only missed it. It was like when I was watching the the sumo grand final in um, in Japan a few weeks ago. Same mm. thing. If you, you just have to look away for a couple of seconds, and it's all over. Just go, Ooh, <laughs> um, so that's quite uh, quite wild. But um, this was in relation to the the Super Bowl ads. I think mm. someone took out like a one second ad or something in Super Bowl. It was something really. Like, yeah. What, something what really, can you say like in a, one second? Well, I don't know. It was almost you know sublim- not subliminal, but must have been marginally marginally subliminal. Um, but I mean, the big thing about Super Bowl ads is they're normally pretty cool. Yeah, I mean, if you, if you spend that much um, money on getting it on there, you might as well make it a good ad. Yeah, so I think the funny thing I, I saw in this story was that Hulu, um, Fox Interactive's online service, did a Super Bowl ad, um, mm-hmm. and then they actually ran the ad on the Hulu site with extra ads on bumpers <laughs> front and back. <laughs> so, so it's, it's kind of, it's watch ads, ads with your ads. <laughs> yeah, which I thought was a bit spooky a bit of a sort of Andy Warhol ad moment there um, <laughs> oh, that's amazing but um, and they reckon Hulu got a discount as well because they're uh, they're sort of NBC is one of the partners and they own Super mm. Bowl rights so I didn't watch any of the Super Bowl ads did you see anything I mean I've no I haven't actually I, I actually had planned on downloading a few uh, for my latest flight but didn't quite get around to it so mm, I will. I'm sure they're all uh, on get that iPhone hooked up to YouTube you know? yeah I'm sure we could do that um, what else is happening in the uh, in the mobile domain? Um, I was when I was in Japan. I was surprised actually to see how big the mobile phones were in Japan. Um, yeah, they are big, aren't they? Because I mean, they all do video. They all watch on, TV on them. Yeah, they all they do watch TV. TV and, so yeah, and you can tell when people are watching TV because you have to pull out the little you know rabbit ears out the back. Oh, really? So um, they're all sitting around with little antennas hanging out there. Mobiles. Well, yes and no, because there's lots of kind of everywhere on the trains and stuff. It says, you know, do not use your phone in public and do not speak to people. It's all super polite. All right. So I think you could probably, you couldn't speak, but you probably could watch TV with your headphones in. Uh-huh. Um, but that was a bit, 
I thought that was a bit um, kind of weird. Uh, and also the um, the iPhone 3G, I saw, I went to Yodobashi Camera, in, mm-hmm. um, which is the world's largest camera shop, apparently. Wow. And it was just a, it was a, a zoo of stuff. But on one floor, they had uh, all the mobile phones, and there was the iPhone there. Mm-hmm. But one of the problems with the iPhone, um, although it works in Japan, unlike my 2G one, which didn't, um, <laughs> is that there's no TV in it. So SoftBank yeah. has made this TV kind of widgety thing. They call it the TV battery or something. Because the other All complaints right. about the iPhone 3G, as you know, is the battery life. Yes. So this thing, which is a little bit smaller than an iPhone, but not a lot, mm. you plug it. You can plug it in to charge your iPhone up, mm. but equally, it will it will sort of restream um, this ISDB broadcast TV stuff via Wi-Fi to your iPhone. Oh wow! So you can view stuff and I think it's like the Slingbox they've got a uh, an iPhone client as well so okay. you can actually um, by using this gadget you can watch TV on your iPhone it seems like um, a long way around to solve the problem you know what I mean it does but um, I guess that's probably why the iPhone hasn't been a sort of raging success in Japan mm. because there's no mm. TV um, which is clearly you know something that people want to do in Japan um I did find it was quite weird using the navigation and location features of my phone, just, you know, going in some random bars, Wi-Fi hotspot, hitting the locate me and bang, there it is. There I am. It knows exactly yeah. where I am in Japan, which is quite funky. Although the Google Maps are all in Japanese, which didn't help. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> didn't help you at all. <laughs> <laughs> but um, no, Japan's a bit of a wild and crazy place. They were advertising a lot on the, um, on the TV and on all the trains, this thing called Navi Time which seemed to be a kind of personal navigation service for phones where it would direct you how to get to places with all the connections and, um, yeah, and right. traffic information and, and busyness so you know exactly when you're going to arrive because I guess punctuality is quite key to um, Japanese. And, Life in Japan. And also mm. not knowing where you're going because nobody, mm. everyone, the, there's no street names beyond the major streets. So it's oh, so right. everyone has to have a kind of a map of how to get there. So they were sort of pitching that. And there's this guy dressed in green who looked like a racing car driver navigator, uh, a Western guy with a, uh-huh. with a mustache. So obviously, yeah, uh, he, he's Mr. Navi time. <laughs> and he was obviously pitching his services, which is quite amusing. Right, um, right. Because the other problem in Japan is a lot, of, a lot of areas, the buildings are numbered in the order in which they were built. Right. <laughs> so not in the order of, you know, in, in, in a lot of streets in uh, in. In normal places, I was going to say, uh, the, the houses are numbered sequentially along the street, at least, you know, even odd mm. or just, you know, generally sequentially. Um, whereas in Japan, you could have number one next to number five, next yeah, to number but, 12. I, mean, and I, I was surprised there was a lot more English, certainly in Tokyo, than I thought there would be. Um, mm. And a lot more foreigner friendly. But I think that's um, maybe part of the, the bids coming up for the 2016 Olympics and things like that. But. Uh, and also, mm-hmm. I think for Japanese people to find the way around, it's quite tricky as well. So, But even, I mean, on the trains, they announced stuff in English and Japanese pretty much on every single train about the station. Wow, that's amazing. And, yeah, so it was pretty uh, pretty easy. Hmm. And, and I think uh, everyone does speak a lot more English and they certainly, apparently everyone learns English for nine years, but they just don't speak it. So, Wow. Um, but a fantastic place. I'd recommend it to anybody if they're going to go there. Um, and Akihabara <laughs> is a, a wild and crazy place to visit. So, Fantastic. Mm. So, uh, on to gaming. Yeah, I saw lots of retro games there as well. In the game, Akira, oh, right. you can buy any console, basically, from any time. Um, from, you know, Game & Watches right through to original Nintendos. Oh, wow. Got, like, stacks of them. 
and I sat on the throne of um, Nintendo cartridges. It was quite <laughs> but that wasn't the most bizarre thing I did. There we go. Um, so gaming, gaming looks like it's uh, not unaffected by the old um, mm. recession time, is it? Mm, indeed, Electronic not, Arts um, have posted a $641 million loss for the latest quarter. Mm. Uh, compared to merely $33 million loss uh, over the same period a year ago. Wow. So it's uh, in the midst of restructuring and... Uh, but a lot of these things, you only, you know, you only need like a, a 10, 15% drop in sales mm. and that's, that's for your profit, especially mm. in the software oh, yeah, business. Absolutely. Um, you know, it doesn't take a lot to, to knock it down. And it's the same, yeah. I guess, for the car business as well. I mean, the car businesses are seeing you know, 30% loss in sales, which is basically mm. all of their profit. Mm. Um, but they're also cutting down the number of new titles, aren't they? That's the um, yeah. Still with EA, their their revenue for the quarter was uh, 1.65 billion, up from 1.5 billion in the previous quarter, um, mm. but below analyst estimates of 1.9 billion. So, so yeah, there's your there's your 300 uh, 300 million gone, just like that, and mm. uh, that's all your profit gone as well. So they're cutting staff at all levels, cutting projects, and uh, so that's going to make it even more challenging to to get out all the uh, all the games that they've got on the on the books so far. Hmm. And I was uh, looking with interest at uh, every now and then we look at the uh, the, the top selling games, the game charts, different yeah. different markets, and this is in the US market. Uh, mm-hmm. The top selling four games are all Wii titles, and they're Wii Sports, yeah. Wii Fit, Wii Play, and Mario Kart Wii. Uh, so these these are not even recent titles. No, does this include the DS or not? Well, the DS is in there as well, isn't it? I can see. Uh, yep, it's got the DS. Further down, but. Um, yep. Yeah. Well, Wii Sports doesn't really count because it's bundled, right? Uh, not in the US. You've got to buy it. Is it not? No, nope, not in the US. Okay. Um, so, I mean, I, I expect it's probably the, you know, the, the typical one you do buy with when you buy the Wii. And but. Si- yeah. And similarly, Wii Play gets you that extra controller for an extra five bucks. You get a few extra games. So. Exactly. So you can't, um, can't really lose on those ones. But nevertheless, that's the top, top four. Mario Kart is stunning. Look at it. And what's this Afro, Afro Samurai? I've never heard of Afro Samurai, but it's obviously the, the <laughs> game Samurai. du jour. So. Have, you, um, have you not seen that in Japan? Surely. I didn't catch a lot of that. Um, <laughs> and I did pass on the dress up as a samurai and get photos taken of you or ninja or whatever. Did, uh, next time, hey? Next time. <laughs> um, but yeah, quite a few of these. Um, but uh, I guess what was interesting, interesting looking at the, the number of weeks these uh, these titles have been in the charts. So you've got Mario mm. Kart DS, which has been in the charts for 168 weeks. Super Mario Brothers, new Super Mario Brothers for the, the Nintendo DS, which... Yeah. Which I've even played uh, has been in the charts for 142 weeks. Like that's uh, the, wow. the long, the long of these games is, is incredible. Nintendo, Nintendo dogs, yeah. 180 weeks. That's amazing. <laughs> that's um. astonishing. Uh, and it's still in. You know, Nintendo dogs is still number 17 uh, for the whole of the US. It's quite quite amazing. Hmm. But the doggy does look quite cute on the front cover, so it's probably all right. Isn't it? <laughs> um, what else is going down? Um, that's quite weird. Uh, I got my, I've upgraded my projector now to 1080p. So oh, nice! How's the picture? 1080p up. Oh, very, very sweet. And actually, now will connect to my PlayStation Three. Ah, so finally! Oh, that's great. HDMI 1.3b, but it, it, I was struggling a bit with the long cable runs. But I think I'm, uh, <laughs> I think I'm okay with that. But the, the 1080p box is enormous. It's like probably six times the volume of the wow. 720p one. So um, can you actually but, see the difference between 720p content and 1080p content? 
Um, difficult to say. Um, of course, yes. <laughs> <laughs> of course, my, I'm so I'm so impressed by the quality. Um, but I figured, you know, it was worthwhile doing. I've just got to find someone to offload my uh, 720p projector now. But they're now, you know, the price of those, you can get one for under £500 here in the UK. Wow. For a new one. So uh, time for you to upgrade your CRT at some point. Indeed. I think um, it's time. That's going pretty well. Um, yeah, so I'm quite chuffed by that. Um, nice I've got one. to do a bit of calibration. I think I'm going to get one of these calibration. I've got a monster calibration. Um, DVD, is it like a Blu-ray disc you can play and set up the colours? No, it's, actually a, it's actually a DVD. I don't think they make Blu-ray ones because um, I guess, I don't know, it's a, it's a weird market niche because people have got Blu-ray. Um, I don't know whether they, if you just use bitstream outputs, you still need to calibrate your display. Maybe they don't bother, but there's a bigger market for um, DVDs, and that's upsampled anyway. Mm. So I guess it's, so if I it's guess all about it the colours, then you know the resolution doesn't matter so much. It's I think it's more contrast, um, mm-hmm. colour hues, and things like that. I mean, the, the disc I've got from Monster, the you know the cable guys, has got like some people playing snooker, and you've got to make sure you've got your screen aspect ratio adjusted. So a lot of people, when they're watching TV, are looking at it the wrong way, like the pan and scan or letterboxed or whatever. Right. So, um, so make sure you've got fundamentals right and it gets you to adjust, adjust the contrast so you can see the widest range of blacks and whites and things, so, mm-hmm. um, which is quite important. So my new projector, as well as being higher definition, is more contrast, allegedly, mm. and more brightness. But, uh, oh, that's great because, um, uh, I mean, as we know, a lot of the, uh, at least a lot of the panels are set up so that mm. when they're displayed in, in stores... Oh, it's super bright, yeah. Yeah, they're super yeah. bright and, and, and they're not worried about contrast or anything like that. They just want... Lots of mm. bright colours, yeah. uh, which isn't necessarily what you want when you're actually in your lounge room watching content in you know exactly. a slightly darkened room, for example. Mm. Well, my room, unfortunately, is is completely dark, but um, which is uh, and my new projector actually you press the off button and this kind of visor shuts across the front, so it goes dark instantly, which I wasn't. I'm used to having like ten seconds to get out of the room <laughs> while the, the lamp switches off, so it's suddenly bang dark. Oh dear, can't see a thing. Ooh, that sounds uh, cool. Which is quite. <laughs> which is quite amusing. Um, but uh, no, it is good. And and the thing I have noticed is watching standard definition content on it just looks rubbish because right. you, it really is, ex- it, it, the resolution is that much better. It's literally, I guess, mm. ex- it, it's um, probably not upsampling it particularly well. So mm-hmm. um, and mm, you can certainly cool. see all the compression artifacts as well. So I would recommend that. Go, go 1080p as soon as you can. Cool. Um, anyway, enough about my, my gadget buying. Excellent. Um, that probably does it for this week, I think. Yeah, and you look out for one of those Roku boxes when you're over in uh, in Colorado. If you get out to Best Buy or whatever, see if they you know those blockbuster boxes that you can get the. Um, yeah, I'll see if I can pick one content. up and. Yeah. And if I can get it kind of set up and working here, then presumably if I move it somewhere else, even if I have to set up some sort of weird proxy thing, then presumably yeah, I you can, can do v- VPN stuff. It's like four bucks a month for um, VPN. So I've heard. Um, mm-hmm. Cool. All right, I'll give that a go. Mm. Happy shopping and good luck at Cable Labs. Hope it goes well and, and give us a bit more of the uh, the skinny on eBiff. We'll do next week. All right, great, James. Have a great week. Okay. And you, Ian, have a safe journey and speak to you soon on 102. Bye for now. Bye.